0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in for this worship service from First Baptist Church in Rock Hill. So excited that you're worshiping the Lord with us. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open with me to the book of Genesis in the Old Testament, chapters 18 and 19. You know, all of us recognize that America has a lot of problems. There's a lot of different sins in our country. And one of the challenges is that as a people, as a nation, we don't all agree on what those challenges are. We don't all agree on what those sins are. Those on the left who tend to be liberal have one list. Others on the right who are conservative have a different list. And yes, there may be a few things that are on both lists, but the truth is most of the things on this list are not on that list, and those on that list are not on this list, and that's a big part of the division in our country. And that leads me to what I want to talk about today. There's really two questions I want to answer. The first is this, what are America's most severe problems? What are, if you will, the the big sins in our country? And then secondly, what are you and I supposed to do? How are we as followers of Christ, as disciples of Jesus, supposed to live in this problematic nation, in this sinful nation? Well, there's a story in Genesis 18 and 19 I think we can learn from. You may not think so at first, but bear with me. It's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. And I know that most of you, when you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, you think about the sin of homosexuality. And that was one of the sins in Sodom. But there is so much more to the story because there are other places in the Bible where Sodom is talked about. And the truth is that city, the people there... Just like in America today we're guilty of many many sins, and the Bible also tells us there was a man named Lot, a nephew of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, Lot and his family living in Sodom and sodom and and you and I can learn. A lot that can help us understand the problems and the sin in America today by looking at the story of Sodom as told throughout the Bible. And then secondly, we can learn a lot about how to live as a disciple by looking at Lot what he did well and what he did not do well. I want us to understand our country and what's going on and understand how to live as followers of Christ. So let's begin by simply reminding ourselves, reviewing the story, if you will. It starts in the middle of chapter 18 in Genesis, if you have your Bible. God, along with two of his angels, pay a visit to Abraham. And after a conversation, those angels make their way to Sodom while God and Abraham continue speaking. And in chapter 18, verse 20, the Bible says that the Lord said, or God said, the outcry of Sodom and Gomorrah is indeed great and their sin is exceedingly grave. He says, Abraham, there is a lot of sin. It's grave, it's serious, it's, it's, there's a lot of it in Sodom. And he says, I'm going to destroy that city, Abraham and God have this conversation and Abraham intercedes for Sodom. He, he asks God, he says, God, if you find 50 righteous people in that city, will you spare it? God says, yes. Then Abraham says, what if you find 45? God says, I'll spare it. What if you find 40? God says, I'll spare the city. Abraham becomes even more bold and asks, God, will you spare the city if you find 30 righteous people? And God says, yes. Then he says, well, what if you only find 20 righteous people in the city? God says, I'll spare it. And finally, 10. And God says, Abraham, if I find 10 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the city. Of course, he did not find ten, and the city was ultimately destroyed. But those two angels make their way to sodom and to to Sodom, and when they when they arrive, uh, Lot meets them at the entrance to the city, invites them to spend the night in his house. They say, "No, nah, that's okay, thank you, but we're going to sleep out here in the town square, if you will. And Lot, the Bible says, strongly urged them not to do that, but to come with them to his house, and they agreed. That evening they're in Lot's house and suddenly there's a a group of men who appear at the door knocking on the door of Lot's house and they want him to send these two men, these two angels, they look like men, send these two angels out so that the men of Sodom could have homosexual relations with them. And Lot says no and he tries to send them away but that group of men become, become angry and they turn into a mob, almost like a riot if you will, and they try to forcefully enter Lot's house, but the angels stop it, rescue him, and blind the men who were leading that mob, if you will. And then the the angels tell Lot, you need to get all of your family together and get out of this city because we are sent here by the Lord to destroy this city. So get together with your family and go. So Lot goes to talk with two men who are engaged to be married to his two daughters, and they laugh him off. They don't take him seriously, don't listen to him. Early the next morning before the sun is up, the angels take Lot, his wife, and two daughters, grab them by the hand, lead them out of the city, and then that morning as the sun is coming up, God sends fire and brimstone, and Sodom and Gomorrah and many of the other towns and villages in that valley are destroyed. Now that's a well-known story in the Bible. And so the question I want to ask, what were the sins of Sodom? And secondly, what are the sins of of America. Now, as I mentioned, most people when they think about Sodom, because of the story we just reviewed in the Book of Genesis, think only about homosexuality or maybe rape and violence, and all of that was part of their sin. But it's not all of it. There is so much more because Genesis doesn't tell the whole story. In the Book of Jude in the New Testament, in verses seven and eight of the only chapter in that little book, the Bible says this. Now he's writing in uh, Jude is writing to uh, about he's describing some some religious people who who were phonies and were living very sinful lives. And he compares these men, these false, these false religious people, these hypocrites, if you will, to the people of Sodom. And he says this in verse 7. He said, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these, as these men he's writing about, indulged in gross immorality, and went after strange flesh, verse 8 of Jude. Yet in the same way, these men, the ones he's writing about, also by dreaming defile the flesh and reject authority and revile angelic majesties. Now, in those two brief verses, we get some deeper insight into the sins of Sodom. Now, he mentions gross immorality in those verses. Gross immorality goes beyond homosexuality. It's referring to sexual sins of every kind. Every sexual sin falls under that Hebrew word and the equivalent Greek word. Sexual sins of every kind. And he says it's gross. There's a lot of it. And then he talks about strange flesh. There he's referring to homosexuality. He also said in verse 8, they reject authority. And you're going to see in a moment that that is at the very heart of the sin of humanity is that we reject the authority of God. We reject the authority of his word. And he says in June, they revile angelic majesties. In other words, they reject not only God, but his message and his messengers. And back in Genesis 18, God says to Abraham, and the angels would later say the same thing to Lot, that this sin in Sodom was so great that that it was crying out to God. That the noise, if you will, of their sin and their immorality was rising up to heaven. God was hearing it. God was seeing it. You can't hide sin from God. I cannot do it as an individual. You cannot do it as an individual. And this country cannot do it as a nation. Our sins cry out. God. We can't hide it from him. And so when God listened to the sinful behavior of Sodom, when God looked and saw the people in that city, what did he see? Well, the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel gives us an even better understanding of what their sins really were. In Ezekiel chapter 16, the prophet said this, or God really speaking through the prophet in verses 49 and 50 said, behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. This was the guilt of the city or the people of Sodom. She and her daughters, other cities around there that were destroyed, had arrogance. Notice this, had arrogance, abundant food and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. Verse 50, thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Therefore I removed them when I saw it. I destroyed those cities. Now, God here in both of these verses talks about arrogance and haughtiness, about pride and arrogance and the root cause. Listen, brothers and sisters, the root cause of all the other sins of the people in Sodom that we read about in Genesis was that arrogance. It was that uh, that haughtiness, if you will. The same thing that uh, Jude mentioned when he said they rejected authority and they reviled angelic majesties, that that. Pride, human pride and human arrogance that causes us to argue with God, say no to God, not listen to his word, not believe his word, not accept his truth is at the root of all our sins. And part of what fed their arrogance was their success in life their prosperity, their materialism because he talks in these verses about them not only being arrogant but having abundant food and careless ease. They were successful. They were prosperous and that fed the arrogance that, that all of us as human beings have to battle, the pride that resides in all of us and it caused sin to show up in their lives in many different ways and in ways that God viewed as gross and severe, so bad that He judged them by sending fire and brimstone on that city. Now you and I can learn from that. But I can already hear some of you saying, Preacher, I'm not arrogant. Preacher, I don't have all that 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 kind of that kind of, of pride. So let's talk for a moment about how this pride, this spiritual arrogance manifested itself, if you will, in the lives of the people in Sodom. How does it manifest itself in the lives of people here in America today? Well, one is this, it manifested itself in how they used their success and how they use their resources, their money, and their other possessions. In verse 49 of Ezekiel 16, the prophet said that their guilt was not only their arrogance, but their abundant food, their careless ease, and not helping the poor, and the needy in other words they had plenty they had all the food they could ever need they had enough money to have careless ease to to have fun and to be relaxed and to enjoy life and and to and and, and to enjoy pleasures it literally is the idea that they could afford to to just go out and do stuff they could, they could afford to have all the hobbies they wanted they could afford to have all the fun they wanted in in today's culture we can afford to go to all the ball games we want afford to you know go to shows and concerts. We have all of this abundance, careless ease. And if we're not careful, it can, it can blind us to how we're treating God and how we're treating other people, especially as it relates to how we use our resources, how we use our, our money, how we use the blessings of God. It blinded them, uh, toward the things that mattered to God. It, it, It caused them to not be all that concerned and compassionate about the needs of the poor. They focused their resources. They focused what they had on themselves, on what they wanted, on having fun and having pleasure and being at ease, as another prophet in the Old Testament said, at ease in Zion. Life is good. So this arrogance showed up. And what they did with their resources and their money. And he said the outcome of all that was they did not help the poor and the needy. Let me say it this way. It's wealth without compassion. It's it's pleasure without generosity. It is spending without sacrificial giving. It is winning without without helping. It's using my resources primarily for me to enjoy life with very little of it being given to help others. The focus is on me and not others. Recently, I was talking with a member of our church who came into a large sum of money and We were discussing what he's going to do with that, and and he made a very generous donation to the ministry here at First Baptist Church. But something else he did, he also made a generous donation to establish a fund with a Christian foundation, and that fund was to be used to help the poor and the needy, the people who have challenges in life. And I can hear some of you saying, Pastor, I'm not rich. I've not come into a large sum of money. I can't do that kind of stuff. So let me illustrate it for you differently Uh, from from my own life, if you will. Uh, Some of you have heard me say in the past that this last year, I bought myself a smoker and I bought all kinds of accessories to go with it. And when it was all totaled up, I spent about $600 buying that smoker and the accessories. But I also bought a small natural gas grill. So if I just wanted to do something quickly, I could spend about $125 or so on that. I bought a stainless steel table for about $200. And of course, if I'm going to smoke all that wheat, all that meat, uh, I wanted a, a, a Bluetooth meat thermometer. And so all totaled, I spent a little over $1,000. And I got to tell you, I've enjoyed all of that. I continue to enjoy it. I'm looking forward to smoking meats and, and uh, other things this this coming year. And it's not a sin. I didn't do anything wrong by buying all of those things unless, unless I'm the kind of person who buys those things that I want to enjoy and, and have entertainment with, and I'm not also at the same time a generous giver. Giving to the church, yes, our ties and missions and our building fund, but also helping individuals. Helping those who are poor, helping other ministries in the community, getting beyond my tithe to those things. So there's nothing wrong with me, you know, going to ball games and going to concerts. I enjoy that. And I, I look forward to this pandemic being over and being able to go to concerts again. That's something that Monisa and I do every year and really enjoy. I look forward to it. I look forward to all that. There's nothing wrong. It's not sinful unless I am so committed to spending my money on things that, that put me at ease, things that. I enjoy, I have an abundance of, and I have fun with, entertain me and my family that that I, I do so much of that that I don't give. And I'm not talking about just tipping God. I'm talking about for me being generous and sacrificial in my giving and caring about the work of God and the needs of other people. Buying for self without being generous and giving is sinful, that was one of the sins of Sodom. That's one of the sins that cried out to God and he heard from heaven, caused him to sin, fire and brimstone. And I think it's one of the sins that many of us in modern America are very guilty of. We busy ourselves with so many things. And and we spend so much of our resources on those that uh, we say, well, I I don't have anything to give to the poor and needy. I don't have anything to give to the ministry of Jesus Christ, to the to the to the church, and that was part of the sin of Sodom. Now there's a second thing: their their arrogance and pride showed up not only in how they used their wealth and their blessings and and their lack of generosity and so on. But it also showed up in in what I'm going to call a glorification of sex. That was their second big sin. A glorification of of sex. Back in the prophet Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 50, he said, thus, thus they were haughty and committed abominations before me. Abominations is referring to all of those sexual sins and all of those sexual perversions that Jude talked about. And in Genesis chapter 18 and 19, the homosexual sins, their arrogance resulted in, 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 in them just being guilty of all kinds of sexual sins. And, and, and it's interesting to me that both verse 49 and verse 50 in Ezekiel 16 start by talking about pride. Pride. Arrogance in verse 49 and haughtiness in verse 50. Pride means that I'm focused on me. I'm focused on what I want. I'm focused on what I like. I'm focused on what I think. Instead of focusing on Jesus Christ, hearing his word, submitting to his lordship, and obeying his directions in life. And this showed up in them not only in how they used their resources and not being generous, but it showed up in the glorification of sex. They would not listen to God and His Word. And in America today, in so many ways, we flaunt the Word of God. We flaunt sex and put it in front of everybody's face. And you have to work hard to not stare at it, not see it, not be confronted by it. All the time. And our sexual sins in America are crying out to God just like our pride is crying out to God, just like our greediness and selfishness is crying out to God, our lack of generosity is crying out to God. All of the sexual sins in this culture, the people who 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 laugh at and scorn the teaching of God's word when it comes to sex and temptation and modesty and purity, God hears it all. God sees it all. It's crying out to him. And brothers and sisters, the only hope for our country is righteousness. That's how it was with Sodom. God said, if I can find 50 righteous people, I'll spare that city. If I find 45, 40, 30, 20, if I find 10 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare that city. The only hope for America is righteous living. Righteous people, the Old Testament book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom, And chapter 14, verse 34 says righteousness exalts, it builds up, it strengthens a nation. But sin is a disgrace to any people. And when it comes to the sins of America, listen, We started by talking about how divided this country is and how the the left has one list and the right has another list and there's only a handful of things on both lists. The truth is, the truth is, brothers and sisters, there is some truth in what both groups say about sin in America. There's some truth in the messages of both sides. There's some truth there. But here's the problem. We refuse, whether I'm on the right or on the left, We refuse as human beings and we refuse as Americans to see our own sin. We have all these blind spots and we can see what God says about the sins of others and not see what God says about our own sin and our own pride. And That's why we won't (laughs) repent of our sins. That's why we won't turn from our sins. And my sins cry out to God Your sins cry out to God. Listen, the sins of those on the left cry out to God and the sins of those on the right cry out to God because all sin cries out to God. He hears it all. He sees it all. So what about you and me? Those of us who say we are followers of Jesus Christ, we've committed our lives to him. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're saved, we're Christian, but not in name only. We're not just religious. We are authentic followers of Jesus, devoted to him. What about us? What can can we learn from all of this? What can we learn from the story of, of Sodom and Sodom's sins? What can we, what can, what can we learn from Lot and, and his experience that can help us as disciples of Jesus live, live in modern America, live in this sin, sinful, country, live, live in this divided nation. What can, what can we learn? Well, there's just a few things I want to point out to you real quickly. Number one, we need to remind ourselves, we need to remember that you and I as followers of Jesus Christ, we are aliens in this culture. In Genesis 19, Lot is uh, having a conversation with these uh, people who are at his house trying to, to attack these two angelic visitors. And, and in verse 9 of chapter 19, they, the crowd, the men that came to Lot's house said, stand aside. Furthermore, they said, this one, referring to Lot, this one came in as an alien. You see, Lot did not grow up in Sodom. You remember after he and Abraham earlier in the book of Genesis uh, parted company and Abraham went one way and Lot went another way. Lot and his family and all of his possessions moved to the city of, Lot, uh, of, of Sodom. So he was an alien there. He was a, a transplant, if you will. This one came in as an alien and already, notice this, this does sound familiar, already he is acting like judge. Wow. You see, the Bible says that you and I are pilgrims in this world, that our true citizenship is in heaven. It's not on earth. Our true citizenship is the kingdom of God. It's not America. Yes, we're citizens of this country, and we care about this country, but as followers of Christ, we are first and foremost citizens of the kingdom of God, citizens of of heaven and Peter one of Jesus disciples in his first letter in chapter 2 verse 11 said beloved I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which wage war against the soul. We are aliens in this country. Just like Lot was an alien, a transplant, if you will, to the city of Sodom, we we were born here on this earth. But when we gave our lives to Christ, we were birthed into his family. And now we are children of God. And that means our home is in heaven, not earth. And we're just passing through here. We're aliens here. And sometimes we forget that. We forget that and we want to fit in too much. Now, you've heard people say, when you when you stand for truth, well, I mean, you're being really judgmental, aren't you? All you and I can do as followers of Christ is be kind, loving, honest, and real. God hears them when He criticizes, when they criticize us as His disciples, but God also hears you and me when we compromise so we won't be criticized. When we compromise so we will fit in. We are aliens and you have to get to the place in your life, in your heart, mind, and soul where you are comfortable knowing that you are first and foremost a follower of Jesus Christ whose citizenship is in heaven and you're not always going to fit in down here. You're always on some level in some way going to be an alien, a stranger in this worldly culture, in this American culture when you live for Jesus Christ. The second lesson is this. Don't get too comfortable in this culture. Do not become too comfortable in this culture. You see, Lot knew how bad things really were in Sodom. You remember when the angels first showed up? He invited them to to spend the night in his house, and they said, no, we'll just stay out here in the public square. We'll sleep here tonight. He said, no, you don't want to do that. And he strongly urged them, the Bible says, strongly urged them to come to his house because he knew what might happen. He knew what the culture was like. He knew the spiritual condition and the moral bankruptcy of the citizens of that city. He knew what the situation was like, and yet he became very comfortable there. Uh, after the angels uh, said, Lot, God's going to destroy this city, and you need to take your family, your loved ones, and, and uh, you need to, to get out. In chapter 19, look at verses 15 and the first part of 16. Verse 15, the Bible says, when morning dawned, so it's early that next morning, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, or you will be swept away in the punishment of the city. Get out of the city, or you're going to suffer the same fate as everybody else in this city. But look at the first part of verse 16. But he, but Lot hesitated. He hesitated. He had become so comfortable with his surroundings, so comfortable living there in the city of Solomon that he was hesitant hesitant to to leave even even, even though he knew it was a sinful place and even though he knew he had just been told, just been told by the angels of God to get out because God was going to judge the city and yet he hesitated. And so often you and I, if we are not careful, become so comfortable with this sinful culture in America that uh, we start blending in And we don't want to be different. We don't want to separate. We don't want to stand out, if you will. We don't want anybody to laugh at us. We don't want anybody to call us judgmental. And so we give in and we compromise. But you have to understand, there's a flip side to fitting in. There's a flip side. There's there's the other side to compromising so nobody will laugh at you, to compromising so that uh, nobody will call you judgmental. There's a flip side to that, and it's that it makes your witness for Jesus Christ a joke. Look in chapter 19, verse uh, 14 again. The angel said, gather your family. So Lot, that, that evening, before the following morning when he left, that evening, Lot went out, and he spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters. In their culture, when you were engaged, you were consider, considered legally bound to one another even though you had not yet consummated the marriage. And it would take a divorce to end even an engagement. And so he goes out to these two men who are legally bound to, legally engaged to his two daughters. They just haven't consummated the marriage yet. And and so he says, he said to them, "Up, Get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he, Lot, appeared to his sons, to his sons-in-law, to be jesting. They thought he was a joke. They thought what he was saying was a joke. And when you and I, forget that we are aliens in this culture and in an effort to have no one ever laugh at us, to have no one ever say to us we're being judgmental, so we compromise our convictions as the people of God, as a disciple of Jesus so we can fit in, then when we try to witness for Jesus, people laugh it off. It's a joke to them. They don't take us seriously because they know we're really not that much different than they are. And we destroy our ability to have a positive impact for the kingdom of God, the cause of Christ, and the glory of Jesus Christ. It doesn't work. One final lesson for us living here in America is this. There are going to be times, there are going to be moments when you and I simply have to separate ourselves. Separate ourselves from the culture and maybe on occasion, separate ourselves from some people who are constantly trying to pull us down and destroy our credibility as followers of Christ. You see, verse 16 in Genesis 19 said that Lot hesitated when the angels told him to leave. What did the angels do? In verse 16, it says, so the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife, And the hands of his two daughters and for the compassion of the Lord was upon him and they brought him out and put him outside the city. They said, if you hesitate and won't do it on your own because God has compassion on you, Lot. And we learn in the last part of this chapter, he had compassion on Lot because of Abraham. Remember the influence of the righteous? The angels took Lot, his wife and two daughters by the hand and pulled them out of the city to safety in the mountains. There are times that we simply have to separate. Because it really is a matter at times of death and life. Listen, brothers and sisters, America needs you and me to be righteous. So does my family, so does your family. So does my church. So does your church. Needs they, they need us uh, to be righteous. But you know, I, I'm 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 an eternal optimist. Part of it is my personality, but a bigger part of it is simply I know the word of God and that we win. So let's be optimistic and positive. And here's the thing. I believe those of you out there listening right now who really know Jesus Christ, I believe you want to be righteous. I believe you are tired of compromising and fitting in. I know you want to be loving. You want to be kind and you want to be gentle, but you're tired of the world winning in your life. You're tired of the culture winning in your daily walk with God. I believe you want to be righteous and you can be. Now you have got to answer a question. You have you have to answer this question. Which which does your life, which does your life reflect more? The culture of America or the kingdom of God? Which do you reflect more? Do do do, do you reflect the, the 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 thinking and the values and the culture of this country or the values of heaven? the truth of God's Word. And if you cannot honestly say that your life primarily manifests the values of heaven and, and, and the character of God's kingdom as a genuine disciple, if you cannot honestly say that, here's my final question. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Change something. Get on your knees before God right now and make a commitment. Confess a sin and change something. Make a change because this country needs you and so does your family and so does the church. God bless you.